This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So they're ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2, Huddersfield Town. Champion Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the flame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. For Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Good evening and welcome to episode 137 of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Uh, now you may be wondering why you can hear my dulcet tones uh, on the introduction rather than uh, podcast legend Matt Shaw. Uh, unfortunately Matt is suffering um, with a little bit of voice problems, probably from screaming at the official on uh, Friday night, Mr Simpson. Uh, so I'll be trying my best to uh, match his exquisite hosting style. Uh, just before we get going, as always, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Magic Rock, uh, and you can get 10% off Magic Rock by using code AHTCC. So as I say, I'm stepping in for Matt tonight and hosting. Um, we've also got a little treat for the ladies tonight. Uh, I'm told by Matt, a Christopher Schindel lookalike in uh, Johnny Gillespie. How are we doing, Johnny? Not so bad, thank you. A compliment uh, no man would ever turn away there, I'm sure, being compared to Mr. Schindler. And uh, when Matt told me earlier that we were having a special American guest on the show, I got rather excited, thinking it might have been the one and only uh, Mr. David Wagner. Uh, but unfortunately, it wasn't to be. But uh, by no means or no less, we have uh, making his pod. Maybe sort those out, Matt. I know you're the technical wizard, so maybe you can, you can get him back in. Um, so yeah, tonight we'll be looking forward, uh, sorry, looking back at Friday's match versus Hull. 
And looking forward to what's going to be a massive Easter week for town uh, with three really, really big games um, coming up and also a little further forward into the future with season card prices announced for next season. Uh, we'll also be having a quick discussion on an incredible new um, inclusion room which has been put together down at the stadium by the team down there, which is, is fantastic to make football even more accessible to, to all fans. Um, but we'll, we'll come on to that a little bit later. So we'll start off with the whole match. Obviously a great 1-0 victory for town um, I don't know if it was uh, one for the football purists in terms of, of performance but we got we got the win in the end um, obviously various various talking points so we'll, we'll start off with you Max I know you're quite passionate about the, the penalty incident watch back and we had potentially five um, penalties um, all the way through I'm not convinced all five were penalties I definitely think there were two um, there was a, a sort of flying handball just before half time, and then the, the well, the free kick that we did actually get, which in my eyes was over the line. Um, I know you've sort of analysed them in a little bit more detail, so talk us through those, Matt. All, all five of those, do you think it's we're all five or no? No, I mean, uh, yeah, so apologies about the voice, um. But yeah, I was I was ill on Friday, so unfortunately couldn't get to the game. Um, running slightly now, but uh, yeah, so I think I, I've obviously been a, a big uh, discreditor of Jeremy Simpson for a number of years now, and it's because of consistent performances like last night. He gives us he's an absolutely atrocious referee, and um, but funnily enough, we've won every game he's refereed this this season, so maybe I shouldn't complain about him too much. It's it's a funny little anomaly, is that? Um, so for me, the penalties themselves, uh, the first one was a push on Jordan Rhodes. It's a push. Is there enough for a penalty? Probably not. The second one was the pull on Harry Toffolo. Is there enough for a penalty? Probably not. Uh, the third one was a diving volleyball punch by uh, the centre-back Greaves. It's a blatant penalty. Um, Jeremy Simpson probably doesn't have the best angle. The linesman's probably obscured by Jordan Rhodes. Uh, it's one of those where VAR gives it. It's a stonewall penalty. Uh, the fourth one was... Um, Alfie Jones, uh, the cross came into the box. He kind of takes it on, on the arm, and it's it's sort of like half. There's the new sleeve directive, isn't there? So if it hits below the sleeve, it's a handball. Now if it hits above, it's it's not. And he was kind of like two thirds really below the sleeve, but I'm not quite sure, you know, where they draw the line on these things. So that's a bit of a fifty-fifty one. Um, and then the last one, Josh Caroma, was a complete piss take, if I'm honest. Where Jeremy Simpson's two yards from it. Uh, he flicks the ball and, you know, he's inside the box and he gives it outside the box. The guy's a complete burk. Um and whopper of the week. Um, so, uh, but he is every time. But, you know, I think that's enough for me about Jeremy Simpson. Uh, he didn't cost us the game, thankfully. Um, we won the game. Uh, and for me, we should have had probably two penalties at least. Uh, we've put it to a poll as well. So earlier on Twitter pause. So there is um, there's a poll out there at the minute with people voting and, Amazingly, somebody's actually clicked. We should have had zero penalties, but I presume they're from from Hull, maybe uh, on this occasion. Um, but yeah, so there's a, there's a poll out there. Um, why don't we get everyone else's opinion first, and then uh, I'll come to the results of that, if you like. Yeah, no problem, Johnny. I'm yeah, only um, giving it so uh, two two and a half. Two and a half, I'd say, I'd explain. Um, I'll probably have to go two more than three if you push me to actually answer. So for my my two would be um, the first one, Greaves. It is Greaves, isn't it? it was, yeah, um, with the Jordan Rhodes. Um, 
obviously at the other end from where we were, so impossible to see it looked like he headed it because that's what you expect him to do. But Jordan Rhodes' reaction says it all. I mean, he's missing miss a nice guy, isn't he, in football? And if he goes screaming at the referee, I mean, the referee doesn't make decisions like this. But as soon as we saw Jordan Rhodes' reaction, first thing I thought, well, it must be a penalty because he wouldn't. Of any player on the pitch, he's probably the best barometer whether it was or wasn't. But looking back, it's absolutely shocking. I, d- I don't know, like say, Jeremy Simpson's view, but there's four people who should be watching that, who are paid to watch that and should get it, get that right. It's in- inexcusable. The the two kind of pushes, or the push on Toffolo, again, t- tough one. I'd say the Rose one's probably slightly more likely because it's a push in the back, but I think you might get that three times out of ten, maybe. So no real issues with that one. It's just the luck of the draw. We've probably had a bit more luck this season than not. Um, the other potential handball, it's hard because the placement, I agree with Matt, it's, it's where the rules are. Who knows nowadays with handball, what is or what isn't. The thing for me is, he does move his arm towards the ball to control it and he gains an advantage from that. Now, I don't, again, the ref to see that in that detail is probably tough. Again, it brings up the debate of VAR, which I know we spoke about after the um, West Brom game. I think if you watch that in VAR and watch how he moves his arm towards the ball, and that is what controls it, it, it might be given because of that. And then the Chroma one, I think if you watch, I've, I've listened to the Radio Lee's commentary, I've listened to the EFL um, I Follow commentary back on YouTube and the Sky Sports commentary, and that a Leeds fan, all t- and the Leeds fan text me 30 seconds after it happened, and they all say pen. In the commentary, they say penalty. All three of them, Radio Leeds, I follow, and Sky Sports say penalty. And then they all kind of get confused and mumble back and realise that it's a free kick and kind of confuse as to why. It's absolutely blatant. The guy who fouls him, the man who fouls him, doesn't actually leave the penalty area from start to finish throughout the entire incident. So from a refereeing point, point of view perspective, what you're looking for, again, is it an easy decision? Something we've discussed in the past, in the past is it an easy decision? It must be. Because you watch the, the player who, who's fouling him, he doesn't leave the area. So how can he possibly have fouled him outside the area? Do you know what the best thing about it, Johnny? Question. Is. Makes, yeah. Do you know what the best thing is? Okay, where this sits, so I, I, I know Stephen Chicken a bit and speak to him. And he's telling me that where they sit, you know, in terms of your hull, is like way up at the back. And everyone at the back can see that's a penalty. But the idiots to yeah. three yards away can't see it's a penalty. You know, the guy's just not fit to no. be in the football league. It's just, yeah, I said nothing to me. Yeah, I don't know the linesman's view. You can't quite see him on the video, but he, to me, he should be able to see the lines. The fourth should be able to and it, it, That's an easy decision. It's absolutely shocking. But one thing does surprise me, and I've watched it, and I've said this again live, and I've watched it back, but I know Chroma gets cramped and Campbell kind of treats him, but none of the players seem to really complain. Mm, I don't know if anyone I watches know. that, which, which again is quite strange because... It's a penalty, and at that, it's a massive thing. You think there'll be uproar, similar like there was with with Rhodes and O'Brien was fuming. So that's one of the thing I found was a bit strange that there didn't seem to be the the, the kind of um, disagreement and uproar from the players. Which I mean, it, it clearly was, but maybe they couldn't see it as well. Yeah, I must admit the when when I first saw it live, I sort of leapt off at the sofa, scared everyone in the vicinity because I thought we'd got a penalty, you know, and then mm. it took a while really to kind of figure out what had actually gone on when you were watching, didn't it? And as you say, Johnny, the, the player didn't even leave the area and, and on the line is in. So it, it was yeah. quite baffling because uh, the, the ball were literally, when they put the when they put the thing down to set the free kick, it was it were literally as close as you can get without being a penalty. And um, certainly after missing the, 
you know, a football goal, certainly after missing that on ball in, you know, in the first half, you think, well, with averages, you're going to get that. Um, you're going to get that benefit of the doubt and, and get the penalty there. You know, sometimes refs make it right, though, at the front of a better phrase. Um, so I was, must admit, I were, I were pretty baffled at, at that point myself. Um, so just moving on from the penalty instance, obviously the ref got got the sendings off perfectly right, um, in, in my opinion. Uh, both, you know, yellows, if that had been a town player that, you know, that got a red for those two incidents, I'd have, I'd have been fuming, especially the second one. You know, there's absolutely no need. I think at first glance, that's one that probably doesn't look... Uh, not apparently, sorry, like a like a booking, but when you watch it back, it just sort of clips, uh, it clips the heel, doesn't it? So, I think we we probably all agree that that's a, that that was a second bookable and and a bit of a silly challenge, really. But you know, went down to ten men, and you know, it went in our favour in the end because town historically against ten men um, seemed to struggle. But I, I think we came out second half a little bit with a different mindset. We we got a hull. Uh, we were quite proactive in in moving forward. Uh, created quite a few chances, certainly in sort of ten. First 10 15 minutes of that second half slightly died down after that. I think Hull probably reorganized things a little bit and you know set up to, to sort of keep us out. Um, and we, we almost ground out the, the victory in the end. You know, we kept plugging at it, we uh, we kept going. Uh, some positive changes uh, from Carlos in regards to personnel. Nice to see Fraser Campbell come on, uh, seemingly the forgotten man at the moment. Uh, but you know, Carlos has explained previously that only having one striker on pitch. You only need one one um, striker up bench, and that tends to be Rhodes. So, you know, Campbell came on and, and took his chance, and he did all right. To be fair, he does what Fraser Campbell does, gets himself around, and um, you know, one one great great ball. But you know, the fact we had two penalties sort of totally missed. I think we can uh, say we got the rubber the green on that one, and then uh, a little bit of a scare right at the very end with the with the header. Um, but apart from that, really, we we, we look pretty comfortable, Matt. I don't know how you. How you felt about that second half? Um, I'll be honest, it was a bit of a poor game, really. Um, you know, I, I thought throughout the game, I thought we looked a little bit nervous. Uh, we, the resp- like we say, with the response to the two defeats that we've had was always going to be really key. So I think there was a little bit of jitteriness, a little bit of nerves in the way that we played. But I think we sat, kind of went back to, almost back to basics to coin, you know, a bit of a cliche, if you like, where we thought, you know what, we're going to go there, we're going to be solid and we're going to nick something. And I think that was always the intention. And I think that the intention as well was to try and grow into the game. The sending off was, you know, a pretty blatant sending off. You know, the, the two the two fouls were quite ridiculous, really, from Tommy. Eves. You know, he's, he's probably he's let, let Hull City down a fair bit there, I think, especially with the second one, because you're on a yellow card and then to sort of aim a kick at Louis O'Brien from behind is just really, really silly. I'd have, I'd have been frothing, you know what I mean, if, if it had been, you know, playing for us. But, you know, thankfully it did. Um and then I thought second half we 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 just took over really, but without doing anything special. Uh, I thought Sauber Thomas had a good game. I know Sauber's um, Sauber sometimes, and Jerry's back now. He's moving. That's great. Hey, there we go. And I know I know Sauber Thomas gets maligned quite a lot for you know because he set really high standards. But I thought he his energy in the second half was really key to sort of us turning the game around as well. I thought Sauber had a really good game down the right hand side and. He put a lot of balls in the box. And Jordan Rhodes was, you know, a, a Jordan can't really lead the line by himself, you know, like Danny Ward can, but Jordan, you know, battled manfully. And, you know, Fraser Campbell came on. Look how knackered was Fraser Campbell at the end. It was hilarious. You know, he was bent over the double. The guy ran himself into the ground. And, you know, it was great to see him celebrating as well. And, um, 
you know, it wasn't a perfect performance by any stretch, but we did what we had to do and that was respond and win. And it didn't really matter how we won as long as we did win. And, you know, no one at the end of the season is going to go, do you remember that game against Hull? Shall we watch that 90 minutes back? No one's going to care. You know, it's it's one of those things where now we've just got to go, you know what, fantastic. We're back on the horse. You know, I'm trying to think of American puns, if you like, because Jerry's back here. You know, <laughs> we're, we're back, you know, we're back in the room, if you like. And, you know, that was really important to win this game. And some of the results went quite well over the weekend. So, you know, we're up in third. You know, another nine points should hopefully do it. And, you know, we've given ourselves a really good chance. And, you know, this game was pivotal, you know, really pivotal for the whole season. So, you know, Tom Lees, I thought, was outstanding at the back. I'll be honest, when I picked my little mock team, you know, because we had the fan hub thing, when I picked a team, I had Pearson and Colwell to start because I just thought Tom Lees looked a little bit leggy, um, you know, pre the international break. But, you know, he was he was phenomenal. He was fantastic. You know, even overlapped. Yeah, I can overlap in centre-half, didn't he, at one point down the right-hand side and put a good ball into the box. For me, I thought Tom Lees was great. And um, if Harry Toffler hadn't scored, he'd have been, you know, taking the Man of the Match award, I think. But, you know, you know, it's a real credit to them. You know, they've really come, you know, they've battled back from, you know, a tough couple of games, um, you know, physically and mentally took a bit of a jolt. And, you know, they've, they've stayed strong and come back. So, you know, really pleased for the team and, you know, the players themselves and, you know, with, with things going against us on the field, I think, you know, with some of the penalty decisions, I know in general play, Jeremy Simpson didn't do a lot wrong. It was just the penalty decisions. You know, it, you know, heads can drop, but they didn't. And it showed what a tough group of players they are and what a, what a decent together, you know, a decent togetherness they have. And even missing Danny Ward could also have, you know, caused, you know, a couple of them, you know, a couple of shoulders to slump, but they didn't, you know, and, and you know, Danny Ward's a huge miss. But, you know, Jordan came in, did what Jordan DeRodds does and, you know, we've come out of the game one nil, so I think we can all be really happy with, you know, with it. Just, you know, it's just not one to watch back at the end of the season. Yeah, I think you're dead right there, Matt. I think result was the most important thing on Friday night for me, and uh, certainly, anyway, I'm a big believer that if you if you're winning football matches as a fan, you know, generally you're quite happy. It might not be great to watch, but if you if you come out of ground and you've won, you can generally think, do you know what, we weren't great. I think moving forward towards the end of the season, Jerry, I think that's probably going to be a, a bit of a thing now. I don't think performances we can read too much into, how we actually play the style of football. It's, it's all about getting points on the board, isn't it, at this point? Thank you, Matt. Frozen, frozen again. Okay. Johnny, I'll redirect that one to you. Yeah, well, yeah. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's cliche, it's a business end, but um, it is, it, it's all about getting the points on the board. Do you know what I mean? And I think it, it wasn't, it wasn't like a quick free flowing football. It wasn't like the best football this season, but I think you hit the nail on the head where you said, we kind of came out just, not, we, I think we knew that over the 90 minutes we'd, we'd get chances to score goals against Hull. We probably had chances to score more goals against Hull if we had the, Decisions going our way, and we did have. We, I mean, the homes there. I think almost hits it too sweet. I think if he slices that slightly, goes flying past keeper. That's a great. It's a great save. That was a great chance to score. Um, Turton just before half time again. Not no no fault um, attributed to him, but he's got a great chance that he don't quite get on target. So we we create good opportunity to score goals. Um, and all it's a bit like um, the derby game when you, when you go a man down. The expectation changes, the pressure changes. If you don't score early, and the longer it goes on, he starts to make it look a bit. When you come out and win, it's like, oh yeah, but we we made it hard work of it. I think 
to a certain extent we did, but if those couple of chances go in and we get a penalty, it's a very different game. Um, we, we could come out of that two and three, but ultimately it doesn't matter. It's it's three points. And I think a good thing from from being in the ground was the fans uh, reinforced it all the way through. There was no negativity. There was no starting to groan, complain, getting any other players' backs. I know it's slightly different being home versus away, but um, I don't know if that had been, flip it around, if that had been at home, it, you might have felt that a little bit, whereas there was none of it. It was 100% support. Campbell came on, everyone's singing his name. He's not, Jimmy, he's not, he's not kicked the ball for months, but he comes on straight away, the fans' encouragement, singing about him. It, it was that's why the players celebrated and were part of the, the amazing moments at the end when Toffolo scores in the game because they recognised that and I think the fans really helped Town, especially when after half time when they came out all guns blazing. The fan it, it was a roar. It was it was a fantastic place to be and I think that made a difference. Um, and I think it's good that I mean the fans see that and understand that and now it's just about getting points. Doesn't matter how we play, doesn't matter how we score, it, it's the points and that's what we need. Um, and yeah, it was one 0 It wasn't fantastic football, but with a ball a couple of inches of the way and a referee who, who understands football, it would have been different. It could have been two or three. And then it's a different conversation, isn't it? So, yeah, I think you've got to just take it as it is and move on to the next game and hopefully get three points as well. If we play like that for the rest of the season, but win 1-0, I'll, I'll take it. And I'm sure 99.9% of the town fans will do as well. 100%, mate. I think, I think it's... Uh, well, first and foremost, it's really nice to have someone on, on the pod who actually goes to a match every now and again. So that's always a, that's always a bonus. <laughs> but it's interesting what you say there because I was obviously watching it on TV and, and sort of reading uh, Twitter as well. and uh, It seemed a totally different vibe. And I don't know if that is just because, you know, it's easy to, to sort of be like that when you're, when you're not at the match on social media. Um, but the, the noise that we're coming from, you know, the, the fans were, were fantastic. So it's great even... Even to say that you know there were no grumblings whatsoever in, in stadium because obviously that can feed into into the players and how and how they play you know obviously yeah. sort of being involved in in South Stand and stuff like that we we look at that that positive atmosphere for for as long as we go and I think it's really important point there what you say Johnny that from now till end of the season as fans let's just put the actual the way that we performed at the back of his mind and if we win. You know, three matches to get us nine points by playing poorly but scoring one nil and scrapping and stuff like that. Then I think at end of the season, most fans will, will take that. So I think that's a really, you know, a really good thing for the players to take out of it as well. Sometimes you can put more out of a scrappy one nil than you can with a, you know, a really good fluent, you know, five niller. You know, it sounds really weird to say that, but when everyone's battled hard and and you know done the jobs well and you know you come away with a, with a victory like that for a morale boost, that is. That's fantastic. So, um, quick, go to Jerry while his connection's good. I was going to just say, working. We do have internet in America. I promise uh, that is a thing that exists. Uh, my apologies, you guys, so much. Uh, yeah. So, whole thoughts. Um, quick. It was great. I thought honestly, and I think uh, you know it feels like a lot of fans are giving credit for it. We were against you know yeah ten men there in the second half, but they're ten men who are playing for a point at home. Uh, you know we knew as soon as their goalkeeper started pulling the Lee Nichols maneuvers out with the you know bringing the physios on, even though we knew he wasn't ever getting subbed off and delaying you know a goal kick here and there. It's like oh well you know clearly they're not really trying for a win. And even if they've got 10 men, uh, if they're at home playing for a point, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Uh, so I thought, you know, 
Town finished the game with what eight or nine shots on target. Um, you know, eventually they got the goal. I, I thought the performance was actually pretty doggone good, especially considering no Ward, no Hog. Um, you know, going against a, a team, especially that was kind of bunkering down there in the second half, I, I thought Town did pretty well. Obviously, you know, I had the great chance with Holmes there in the first half as well. You know, I, I don't think other than that late chance that they gave up to Hull, which uh, I, I I'd honestly, uh, when that header went wide, and I'm speaking to you from, you know, my ghost office here, uh, other than that, I, I thought the performance was actually pretty good. Yeah, so I think, like you say, we, we overall maybe fans were being a little bit too harsh. Uh, we we got the result and we put those three points on the board and, and moved forward. Just just reading some comments from Twitter, I know Matt's got some fancy new little add-in where you know splashing up on screen there. For those I'm absolutely people. loving it as well. I'm absolutely know, loving playing like, with that. Like, <laughs> um, but for those who are listening after the event, you know we've got very similar comments from from online. Um, Max has said, you know, I thought we were poor in the first half. I think Carl's got the team wrong. Uh, suggesting Pippa and Campbell should have started in that kind of game, in his opinion. But we got the job done, and that's all that matters. Uh, Terry, a seven and uh, seven and two, is a regular listener. Uh, players look like they were on the edge first half. We play like that versus Luton. He fears that we'll have a heavy loss. Um, I think we desperately need a, a creative midfielder. Which, just just on that point there, um, you know, Carolyten, guys, is is come back and he's. He's not really featured as much as maybe I thought he, he probably would. Do you think that's due to um, maybe John Johnny Russell's sort of form? Matt, you grabbed your microphone pretty pretty sharpish there. Have you got something, something that you want to add in there about Mr. Mr. Iting? Um Yeah, he's been injured, hasn't he? Carol Iting got um, an injury. I'm just trying to work out if Jerry's frozen again. But um, yeah, he got, um, I think he has. He got... Um, an injury, didn't he, Carol Iting? Uh, he came in with a lot of fanfare, didn't he? But John Russell quite rightfully took that slot at first, and you know he, you know he had a really good start. Did John Russell when he when he came through in sort of January? Um, so he deserved to keep that place, deserved to keep the place at the time. You know, hundred uh, percent. I think the last three games, I think John Russell uh, has had a dip. This happens with every young player, though. You know, so it's not a criticism. You know, sometimes I think a strength of a coach is knowing when to dip young players in and out. Uh, and I think maybe it's come to a point where John Russell maybe needs to be dipped out for one or two games before coming back in. And it's not a criticism. It's just this just generally happens, doesn't it? You get peaks and troughs with young players. And I think uh, the last three games, John Russell's probably not been quite as good. And I think some of that is, you know, people have worked out, you know, his lack of mobility and, you know, to sort of put, you know, men behind him. Uh, and he's also, you know, been switched from six, eight, you know, quite consistently and, you know, he's, he's having Hogg as a partner, then O'Brien, you know, so there's no not a lot of consistency there. So there are mitigating factors behind it. But I think uh, Carol Iting will probably be champing at the bit a little bit, you know, to get uh, to get his feet there, feet under the table. And I, I'm a little bit disappointed that he's not really uh, played or been given the opportunity to play as much yet as what he has. But hopefully now is the, the time where, you know, we, we can let him off the leash, if you like, and you know, and he can come in, but I think now's probably the right time to to put Iting in there. Um, but John Russell does also bring that physical aspect as well. You know, we saw how important he is in the air, you know, uh, even though people sort of run beyond him, it's not actually that easy to get past him in the first place because he's absolutely huge. You know, it's like climbing a mountain, isn't it? So it, there are a lot of reasons to keep him in there, but I think uh, in terms of freshness and for his benefit, you know, in terms of his development, I would probably swap them out for a little bit. 
Uh, but John Russell can come straight back in and come back in well at some point, no doubt. But I would, I do think it's right at uh, the right time to maybe blood Iting in. I was quite. I must admit, I thought I might have seen Iting come on at um, half time. I think not. Not if it was going to kind of put a criticism towards that first. I think the middle of the park we didn't really hold the ball very well. The ball kind of came in and went out very quickly. We lost possession. We did turn and find a town player. And with the, obviously with the man down, I thought Iting might have been the player to just have kind of found that forward pass, kind of just link stuff. Um, it, it obviously, went, he, he went a different way, which, which worked. And I mean, you can see why he did what he did, and that was absolutely fine. But I did think maybe Iting might have come in and done something in that game. And I agree with you, Matt. I think Joey Russell deserved he, he deserved his... His starts, his time in the time on the pitch, and I think he's a, I think he's a cracking player. Something different that we don't have in other players. I think his ability to find a forward pass when he's given a bit more space is there ahead of other players. Certainly, the play in midfield or kind of take the take place. But I think IT might be able to do something for Hull, and I think um, I, I agree with you. I, I might just move Russell out for a game um, just to give give him a bit of options, something a bit different. Um, but like uh, I think he's he's done really well. I'm, I'm excited to kind of see him play. But I do think I don't know. He, 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 there's quite a few times that Hull were quite quick to get like say two or three men behind him, um, and a little bit his own fault. But a little bit there weren't the options, wasn't the movement. I think he, he just got a little bit found out. And I think a player who's got a bit more experience um, might have kind of been able to turn that whole game a little bit more. Um, and that's not down to Russell. He's played the amount of games he's played. You can't ask him to have experience him it's like all players of his age they're going to get that way like you say they go up they go down and then they get the experience and the talent will come through with the experience and they'll go, go on and keep going up and up and up but yeah I think with the looting game it, it, I'd probably like to see maybe a, a bit of a switch but we shall see yeah I was just going to say then the, the sort of debate about changing players over kind of leads nicely into sort of the next sort of section of the, of the pod really looking forward to the next Next three games um, Monday, so we, we're behind uh, schedule a little bit. But we've got Luton, QPR, and Borough coming up. Which, you know, a few weeks ago you looked at, you know, those three, and they were, um, you know, looking like three season-defining games, really, and probably still are. Um, Luton on Monday, they're currently fourth in the in the form table, uh, one three and drawn two. Um, QPR have sort of had a bad, little bad run. They've, they've dropped down to ninth. Um, I think they're bottom of the as it stands. I think they've lost five out of their out of their last six. So they'll be certainly looking to get back to, to winning ways. And with you know what town are like, we're generally ones to upset the upset the form books. And then Middlesbrough uh, sitting in fifth currently on the on the Easter Monday. They're currently fifth in the form table. Um, town currently sit third though. So you know to say how. In inverted commas, poor we've been of late. We're still third. Um, oh, sorry, no, sorry, we're third in the, the championship table. I'm looking at the wrong, uh, wrong table there. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, it's hard, is this, isn't it, Matt, to have all these screens open at the same go? Normally, just sitting Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I feel, I feel your pain now, mate. I understand what it's... Moving into those three games, Jerry, if you're, if you're still with us, you look like you are. What, what are your expectations? For no, you? he's not. He's, I think he's... I think he's... No, he's not. No, he's not with us. They have a really good mime artist on his internet. Do you want me to take on the Jerry Mantle again? You can again, Johnny. You can. I won't do an American accent, so, yeah, but I'll just I'll stand up. I'll stand up for the Jays. What's what's your expectations? Or what are your what's your thoughts? 
to happen on three games. I think, yeah, it's a tough one because it annoys me that we, we don't play on the Saturday. I think, um, obviously, Luton and QPR both play midweek. Luton play Peterborough, if I'm wrong. I don't think I've got the mark got the two mixed. But I think they've Luton play Peterborough. So they've got they've got a midweek game, whereas we don't. But then if we get a bit more recovery because we play on the Monday. Um, it's hard. I'm just more thinking how how many points do we need? Do we need three more wins out of that? Do we target the bad form? It, it's a tough one. Luton are in are in there enough. So if I'd probably rather beat QPR, keeping them down, rather beat a Borough, and probably lose to a Luton because I think they're more more likely to finish in the, in, in the playoffs and teams around. So it gets a bit t- technical at this stage. It's not just who you're playing. Normally, you'd always rather win. Think, well, where are they? If, if I'd rather beat a team that's seventh, eighth, push them down and lose the team that's kind of in with us. So I kind of look at it from that from that angle. Um, but equally, it's a dangerous game to play at a time because if it goes wrong in that game and you've thrown other games akin to Bournemouth, you can see it doesn't really work, does it? But I don't know. I'd like to get something from QPR. Um, I, th- I think, yeah, it's a tough one. But then... Because of the games, as you thought I said, Johnny, become must not lose games, which is yeah, a I, negative way of saying it. But uh, you know, it, it's a way that if you go out and don't lose any ground on any of these teams, bearing in mind we're in front of them all, and um, if mm-hmm. you actually lose any any ground and there's a game less to play, you've kind of got to come out and think it, it's a positive result. Um, no, I agree. I, I, these three, it's Bristol. Uh, Coventry away and Bristol stay at home. Um, there are a couple of games after that. If you think we need three wins and the potential is a game, Barnsley potentially is a game, um, three draws, as much as it sounds kind of like not fantastic right now, because we, we know what we need. Whereas if it was, do you know what I mean, December, November, you, you don't know. Um, it's, not a ne- it's not necessarily a negative outcome. I think the Luton game is a is probably an easy one to target because you think you've got a rest and they play midweek and the QPR games a quick turnaround things like QPR an awful form so potentially that's a game we could we could win um, so it, it's tough I think if you offer me three draws now it puts a bit more pressure on the bands in the Bristol game but it, it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily be a bad outcome um, a win and two draws I think wherever they wherever they come um, would be would be a good outcome. Um, but, but Huddersfield have got it in them to, to win all three. They've definitely Huddersfield to play how they play, play to their strengths, um, and, and keep the I mean keep keep what they've been doing over the last kind of eighteen, nineteen games and apply it in those three games. They they, they they've got the ability to win all three. Um, but I don't know. We, we've been here too many times. We, we're too long and too Huddersfield town fans to kind of think that will be happening. So if you offer me three draws, I'd, I'd probably I'd probably take it. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. It's that time of season where. It, 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 yeah, it's a, it become, becomes a slightly bit different, a little bit more, a little bit more tactical, and what um, what games matter and what don't. Matt, just just moving over to you. Do you think the um, obviously Johnny's just touched on it there, not not playing on the Saturdays, um, kickoff times are all varied due due to Sky, uh, which we'll we'll sort of move on to after we've had this sort of little bit of conversation. Do you do you think that? plays into into the player's mind or Carlos's mind in sort of thinking, let's see how everybody else does before. Do you think he'll he'll have his plan and, and stick with it? Or if, for example, we kick off, I think we play later on Friday than everybody else, if the results have either gone our way or not gone our way, do you think that'll alter the approach? Or do you think it's a 
you think it had any different dynamics to, to the way that Town will approach these three games, depending on you know whether we're further for or after everybody else? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we're, we've got a, a reasonable cushion. I think Luton, obviously we play Luton in their fourth, don't we, next? So uh, I think Luton have another game in between, don't they? But um, I, I don't actually see, because we, we won't lose a place technically uh, if we beat Luton, uh, I don't think that really will alter the way that we'll, we'll approach the game. I think we'll you know, keep it very, very similar um, to how we are doing. We'll, we'll keep things quite tight and look to counter, um, even at home. Uh, so I, I don't really see any change at this stage. I think, you know, maybe a little bit further on down the line, we may see may see that. But I think where we are at the minute, you know, people are chasing us. Um, all we need to do is keep, you know, keep our noses in front. And I think that's what Carlos will be setting out to do. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it, with, with, uh, with the TV and stuff like that. Because as a player, do you think it plays in, into their minds that they're, they're on telly? Or do you think that they you know they can block all that out? And, you know, sometimes when you're on TV, there's different pressures uh, because obviously there's a lot more people may potentially watching. And is the players out there that look to maybe showcase the talent a little bit differently to how they would do, you know, in, the, in a normal game? And does it affect, you know, their game? <laughs> this, start, this stage of the season, you know, you could all of a sudden become a hero, couldn't you, by maybe trying something that, that you might not normally. Uh, I was a little bit strange. We should be accustomed to them now at Towns. You know, they seem to be on every, every bloody week. I don't know, viewing figures through Sky must be uh, you know, really good for Town because we keep getting picked. I know we've got some big games coming up, but at the moment it is, you know, it seems to be every single week, doesn't it? I think Towns is on as well. Is that right? Um, so I, guess, I, I guess you are right there, the fact that we are on all the time. Um, and it does change things because you, if you've got if you've played Saturday three o'clock, six seven games in the balance, and suddenly you're playing Friday, Monday, Sunday lunchtime, it does change your routine. I mean, football is a very routine, it's very monotonous. Everything's the same, and suddenly you have one game that shifts. It, it might be disadvantage. You could argue it is obviously the same for both teams. Barnsley, <laughs> it's a weird kickoff. It's the same for both teams. But if we're a bit more used to that, and we've we've had it all over the place for the last five six games, we played. It could potentially. Um, I know if they play, we've got short recovery time. It, um, I mean, Carlos and his fitness staff might disagree completely on that side, which is fair enough. But becoming used, to town are probably doing that. Whereas if if if, if we're just playing the one team that's coming on Sky and they've not been on Sky for for a couple of months, it might potentially play into our slight advantage that way, or it might be completely relevant and they're not bothered. It makes a difference to them. It's really quite hard, but. Um, I, I naturally don't like being on TV just because historically I, we seem to have done it right recently, but I don't know why I've always got a thing in mind that we always lose, seem to lose on Sky TV, but um, maybe that's not true, but it's just a bit of a gut feeling. Every, every time a game gets changed, I'm not necessarily a fan of it. No, I think the, the constant chopping and changing, obviously you talked about players there, Johnny, but as fans as well, um, it's not something that I particularly enjoy or like Friday for at Hull for example if that's on a Saturday I can quite easily get there you know the, the me and my, my two lads would have quite happily gone across to, to Hull on a Saturday but you know moving it to a Friday night uh, makes it difficult to get across M62 without finishing work early and you know one of my little boys is only, he's only seven so it's a, it's a late night for him um, as well similar um, you know looking at, at other games that, that have been moved um, the Luton one's not too bad because he's off school so I've, I've got a deal with him that if we play on a, a non-school night at night he can go and he just has to not be grumpy following day but I think Matt you, you've made comment on that as well and you? obviously you've got you've got a little one as well and these games being moved 
uh, from Saturdays to Fridays, it, it can have a big knock-on effect to fans, can't it? And I think the short notice, we, you sort of think of travelling fans with train tickets being booked. Obviously, with you know going up to Middlesbrough, a lot of fans will have, will have booked train tickets and made plans around the you know the, the scheduled kickoff time. And there's a lot of there's a lot of positives with regards to the money that you get through Sky. You know. I sometimes feel a little bit hypocritical because I talk about not liking Sky and the changes and, and stuff like that, but without them and the money that comes from Sky, a team like Huddersfield Town is, is even less likely to be able to challenge uh, due to yeah. sort of natural in, income streams. And so I suppose with what, you know, to give with one hand and, and take with the other, but it is a little bit of a shame isn't it, that these games have been moved around and, and, and travelling fans, both the town and, um, you know, our opposition that have had this come to us. Kind of been less messed around, and you know the short notice doesn't help anybody really, does it? No, I I got a bit frustrated because you know everybody's um, everybody's circumstances are different, and you know some people think it's great, you know, Huddersfield Town being moved for Sky, and they you know it's good, the exposure's good, the money's good. I think we get about half a million quid for the you know the recent uh, for this you know recent cluster. It's all you know that's really good. Um, you know Michael Heffler on Sky, you know absolutely brilliant. You know the, the, there are good things to it, but. You know, uh, for me and you personally, you know, I've got, you know, now a four-year-old kid, you know, he can't go to these games, he can't go to games unless they're Saturday afternoon, he has, you know, football, you know, Saturday morning, it's not the club or the Sky, or Sky's fault, you know, it's a choice. Uh, but, you know, Friday nights, Monday nights, he can't go to that, you know, he's, you know, he'll be asleep by, or he should be asleep by sort of like half eight, nine o'clock, you know, so, you know, you can't, you know, it's not really good for family, that was my point really, you know, on, on Twitter, you know, it's not great for families, uh, you know, and, you know, we saw Blackpool versus Nottingham Forest was the Saturday midday kickoff. You know, there are other championship games which have been selected for midday kickoffs and Huddersfield always seem to get the graveyard shift. And my my point was over fairness, really, in that, you know, if, you know, we're given more lunchtime kickoffs on a Saturday, then fair enough. You know what I mean? They're, they're family friendly. You know, my, my little boy goes to football, so he'll have to miss it. But, you know, he, at least he's got a choice there. Whereas, you know, Friday night, Monday, you know, Friday night, Monday night, you know, it's really sort of... um anti-family if you like for you know so it's it, it's very frustrating from my point of view because you know that's you know sort of five six games this calendar year that he can't go to you know when you've kind of paid you know i know it's not a lot of money is it 50 quid for an under 11 season card but you know you, you pay the money and expect to be able to take him to the games and they get changed for sky and it's really frustrating but you know there are good things to it but there are also negative negative points to it as well um I would prefer that Sky gave a lot more notice uh, in in these things, but again, they can't do that because they, you know, the change the tables forever changing. You know, the the variables are constantly changing, and Sky have to try and leave it as late as possible to pick the right games because they're the ones that people are going to tune in and watch. So I do understand it. Um, it's just you know, as as you know, as a family, you know, we have a right to whinge about it as well as you know also see the benefits. So you know, it's just just one of those things. Um, you know, um, with regards to the three games coming up. The whole game's taken so much pressure off, uh, off of us, you know. But you know, we're going to be in a really different position potentially. Come that Monday night, we could be in a great position, uh, or we could be, you know, in a in a precarious one. So you know, it's 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 exciting, you know, and that's probably why Sky have picked it. So, um, you know, it's uh, you just have to take it. I guess it, it comes with a success, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that. point you made. You, you kind of just have to take it. I think. I think. Um, for f- football for the last 10 years taking it and but I think there's a real um, sounds a bit political but I can't think of a better word there's a real movement from fans across all um, championship clubs at the moment that 
it's a lot of anti-sky, do you know what I mean, songs, anti-sky things on Twitter. Um, and I, I think it, it might come, do you mean, football's run by money, the money comes from Sky, so that's that's the full stop, isn't it, to a certain extent. But there's, I think there's quite a bit of people looking, like pushing back from the fan base across all clubs that they don't want, they don't want this. Um, I know um, Kieran Maguire on um, Prize Football has a real bean in his bonnet about, about it in regards to train fares, like you say, if you put the cost of it, Friday night train fare is like a hell of a lot more expensive than, than a Saturday one. So it's a cost of fans. And it's also like, so you've, you've bought a season ticket. I live, do you know what I mean, an hour and or over an hour away from the ground and it, it makes a big difference to me if I'm going to M62 do I mean on a, on a Friday night or a Monday night it's whether I go or not well I've paid for it do you know, we're all Yorkshiremen most of us are Yorkshiremen apologies to Jerry who's not um, but it, with, adopted with, it, the day, I've, yeah I've paid for something that I've, I've bought in good faith I know there'll be small print accepted but it's changed and through no fault of my own um, and I don't expect the club to offer a refund but it's just give, it's just an expectation that the fans will put up across all football clubs will put up and shut up and deal with it and move on. Um, and any other business that looked to do that, if you prepaid for anything or booked anything at an event and they rung up and changed it and said, well, we'll change the time by 12 hours, 24 hours, a different day. Oh, but if you've, uh, you, you'd be a pro, but in football, um, it's expected to be fine. And I know there's a few caveats that go with that, but and I don't know, I don't have an alternative to it. But it just seems to be that it's starting to not just be accepted. Um, and I think a few fans are starting to, across all football clubs, kind of voice that. And what Sky looked to do with that, if anything, I don't know. But it's not really a fair expectation that people have bought tickets in good faith and can't go and support the football clubs. Um, and really, that's that's what it's all about, isn't it? And Saturday, three o'clock, I know is a bit of a, a holy grail time. Um, I don't mind. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It being moved as much as long as it's over a weekend, but when you're stopping from fans from going and support their club, it, it is an issue. Um, and I think if fans start to voice it a bit more and becomes a bit more um, at the forefront of I mean, clubs' minds, um, the league's minds, whether it will change or not, I don't know. But it, it's, good, it's good to see something being said about it and it's not just being taken as is we've got no choice because ultimately when I mean, the fans do run football we've seen fan power across various examples over the last two seasons um and it, i think it's 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 good that it's not just been taken as um well we, we don't have a say do you mean it's our club it's not sky's club and if fans can't go it's not it's not good 
Yeah, I think probably the the you know the benefit of of being on on Sky for these home games is the club I've made it ten pound in. So you know, although maybe can't make it, or family members can't make it, if they're putting that money to good use and discounting tickets, I suppose, and, you know, from the club's point of view, they, they can't really yeah. they can't really do much more than that to, to sort of attract fans. No. It, it's really interesting, one, isn't it, Johnny? Because I know in in uh, in Europe and stuff like that, when I think it was Germany, when games got moved to TV uh, from to Monday nights, they sort of protested on it, you know, quite a lot. Um, there was a disruption to games. I think you had the on tennis balls flying on or something like that and I think eventually they managed to push back and, and stop that happening so with, with fan power as you say it's, it is quite a it's quite a thing but I'm just always a bit wary in England that you don't have enough people with that mentality to you know to make a massive impact but moving forward you know as you say there is a little bit more displeasure now uh, being vocalised so if, if that is something that takes off in the future then you know fair play I think fans have been treated you know as just basically cash cows. Um, you know, as you say, if that happened in any other industry, you, 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 if you didn't get your refund, you'd probably not go again. But in football, you kind of obviously you're loyal to your club and you're going to stick with them pretty much regardless. So you, you kind of do have to just suck it up and, and get on with it. And you know, is it right? Probably not. Um, but you know, it's, it's what it is. It is one of those things. But yeah, with the club making the tickets ten ten pound for those that QPR and um, Luton game. Obviously, we need to get as many fans down there as possible. Um, and I think just just maybe reiterating what you said, Johnny, about you know the, the atmosphere within the, the stadium for those games, if it is not going quite right, uh, nerves. You know, as as we all will say, you know, oh, it's difficult town for this to happen. We're starting third with you know only a few games left, and we'll, we'll end up dropping out of the out of the playoffs. But you know, for me, the fans have a massive part to play in this, and you know, these next two home games especially. You know, we need, to, we need to get as many people down to that stadium as we can, and uh, you know, and stick with it because it, it will be it will be nervy. There'll be a lot of twists and turns. You know, the last thing that we need uh, as a fan base is to let those nerves from us seep onto onto the grass and into the players because you know if they get nervy, that's when mistakes start happening and, and stuff like that. And let's take a step back sometimes as well as fans. You know, we've had an absolutely incredible season. If you would have said to me that you know we'd be sat third. Um, at this stage of the season, only needing you know, potentially a couple more wins to to make the playoffs, I'd have, I'd have laughed at you. Um, so these these games are these games are, are massive, and it's a massive opportunity for us to to get some points up board and get back into the Premier League. So, or certainly to get into the playoffs and have a shot at getting back into the Premier League. So, if anybody is listening and you know they've not got a ticket, get get one bought and and get down there and. Uh, you know, get behind the boys and, and make a real positive atmosphere because I'm sure that well, I know that the players really appreciate it when you know when when we're there and we're making the noise and stuff like that. So get yourselves down and, and back the lads all the way, and I'm, I'm sure everybody on here would, would agree with that. Cool. With that kind of boxed off, then um, we'll we'll sort of just move on to season cards uh, quickly. I know we've sort of not got abundance of time left, but we'll, we'll just have a you know a quick chat about the season cards. So their prices have come out. They've looked at the price promise um, and they've kept that. And also a price freeze, um, which I think is an incredible offer from the club. Obviously, with cost of living um, in pretty much every other area uh, going up, um, you know, I was kind of a little bit wary of what would happen with, with season tickets across football. And town seems to have followed suit from a number of other clubs which I've seen and, and kept season ticket prices the same, which I think is, is really admirable. Um, of, of town and those others obviously 
Um, but yeah, two nine nine for the for an adult season ticket. I think it works out at thirteen pound a game roughly if we stay in championship, which you know you'd, you'd pay that to, to watch championship football, wouldn't you? So I think that's that's fantastic. Um, I'm sure you guys will agree on that. Um, I don't think anybody's too yeah. hard with that or anything to say sort of against that, Johnny and Matt. It's what I, no, I, I think. I expected, think it's, really. I think it's fair. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fair. Um, I think I don't. I think the good thing is against other clubs, which I guess it doesn't matter what other clubs are doing, but it's useful to kind of see how we we compare. Um, that is towards the lower end, um, and you've got clubs that say are similar to Huddersfield to some extent, um, and similar geographically in size. Mm. Barnsley, for example, is up at kind of like four hundred quid. Um, Reading's not too similar. Um, Bournemouth right at the other end, almost close to five fifty. So just to kind of kind of put that in perspective against a championship, um, it's really reasonably priced. So I, I don't think even if it gone up a little bit, it would it would have been well priced against competition. So I think it's very fair price, and as it has it has been for quite a few years now, Oldersfield. So I think that's one thing that the club's consistently done really really well. Yeah, I always think sometimes with the, with the cheap prices, uh, continually cheap, it's it, it almost gets to a point where fans almost like we've sort of maybe mentioned here that, that I know you, Matt, said it's it's kind of what you expected. You you kind of expect it to continue to be cheap, and you know if there's a sudden jump, there's there's all of a sudden outrage, even if that jump is still in line or even below uh, other clubs in our in our division. So, I think for the club to stick at two nine nine is a good move. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Obviously, the the deadline is just before end of season uh, to sign up. Sixth of May is it? Uh, I think they've got till sixth of May, and you know those who kept their season cards when uh, during lockdown and get it for two four nine as well, don't they? Which is which is really good. I think the only sort of slight issue I've seen some negativity online, which which really baffled me. Really, to be honest, you people saying you know it was it was too much. Um, which okay, everybody's circumstances are different, are they? I won't ever criticize anybody for saying they can't afford to pay that you know because that's completely fine everybody's completely different and i understand that um but I, I don't think i can accept somebody saying 250 quid's not not a good value for championship football for 23 games because that's nonsense as far as i'm concerned um i think it's fantastic i think the club have done really well they've priced it really well uh, i know i understand 300 quid's not 250 you know and the, there is a bit of a, a slight jump there um but for me i think it, they're, they're really good value the only thing that i slightly uh, well, I wouldn't say worries me, but I do think with town constantly put, well, not constantly, but putting uh, games at a tenner, do you know, it re- worked really well, didn't it? Pause during the promotion season, you know, they're really sort of cheap, you know, to try and fill the stadium, get everybody singing and behind the team and to try and force us on. But the response has been really different this season. So when we've done the cheap ones against Swansea, uh, Cardiff, um, which these are midweek games as well, bear in mind, you know, that they've done it. Uh, and we've got them against, um, is it both QPR and Luton because of the, the Sky yeah, stuff? And, and, you know, people are starting to react more negatively now who are season card holders sort of saying, well, I've paid season card holders and people are getting the cheaper deal and there's a lot of, uh, a lot more murmurings that people are going to pick and choose now and it just seems really sort of cut your nose off, spite your face kind of an attitude to me does that mm-hmm. um, because these are four games this season, you know, this year, you know, that's... That's what, you know, and if that's that, it's four games out of 23, you know, is that really going to make, you know, that massive saving that you seem to think it is? It's not. It's just, you know, these are really good prices. You know, you've got a chairman who's who's trying his very best to back, you know, the football club and trying to back, you know, the support and trying to make it as affordable as possible for the supporters. It's a good price. You know, I mean, I, I don't really see an argument to say that it's poor value. 
Um, you know, people may say that the the entertainment factor might not be for them, and that's fine. You know, and you know if they can't afford the money, that's also fine. Um, but I think in turn, when you compare, like Johnny says when you compare it to other clubs, you know, Huddersfield Town really stacks up really well. And we did a poll pause as well. Uh, the poll as well on the penalties. I didn't go back to that today, but um, Jeremy Simpson, you know, people sixty seven point five percent say we should have had two penalties. Uh, 25.4 said three or more. Uh, 1.6 said not. So I think that must be the whole fan who likes to troll us every now and then. Uh, and then, you know, 5.6 said one penalty. So, uh, but, you know, the other the other one was 73.9% say it's brilliant value. 24.6% uh, say it's okay value. Uh, and then 1.4% say it's poor value. I just don't, you know, I know it's a very, very small percentage, but I just don't really see it being poor value. I just can't can't quite get on board with that to be honest with you um well, but there you go whole I've, I've got a li- i've got a list here and i'll just pull out one a list of uh, it, to stop myself from going through all 24 to say prove it's good value because i would do that because it annoys me when people say it's not good value because yeah, it is but it. <laughs> but hull hull was a 360 quid and if you couldn't pay me 3060 quid to sit in that stadium <laughs> for a full season and watch that football so just think of that whole 360 quid. I think nothing more needs to be said, to be honest. Yeah, when you when you look at it like that, it's uh, you know it is a, it is a decent price. It would be interesting to to that work, <coughs> that small percentage who don't think it's good value is to find out exactly what they mean by that. Is it the, the mm-hmm. product of watching the? I think I think yeah I think, I think it's yeah I think it's how they perceive the the value in terms of you know the product that they find on the field and some people don't like you know carlos's football and that's fine but i think when you when you break it you know down to the very basics of championship football whether you know that and you have to remember as well people um you know you have to like i said where i'm going with this is you have to remember that there is no guarantee that the game that you are going to is going to be good you know this is that you know you pay your money and you take that chance you know there is absolutely no guarantee that Huddersfield town are going to win turn up play well it's you know it's the choice everybody makes you know when you buy you buy your ticket before the game you know, sometimes you get rewarded. Mostly you don't. You know, that's Huddersfield Town Football Club, isn't it? But, you know, in terms of value for championship football, when you break it down to what it is, you know, it's very base level. It, it's good. It really it really is good. And, you know, and, and whisper it quietly, pause. It could also be a Premier League price season ticket. Who knows? It could, mate. And, you know, obviously that would be, you know, really, really good value for money to get when it's at 249 or even 299, you know, for Premier League football is... Is, is ridiculous, really. And um, just, just putting that sort of entertainment factor into it, I've paid more than £10 this season to watch non-league football. So, uh, you know, obviously the quality down there is, is you know, is nowhere near. They live and die by that, though, don't they? The walk-ins. Of course they do. Yeah, yeah. but what I'm saying is if, you, if you're going to use it as a marker of what is entertainment, uh, that, you know, what else, you know, in football in, in terms, what, what do you... Deceiver, you know what do you decipher as being as being that? And for, I'm trying to think of other things that I could do for ten pounds on a Saturday. Afternoon. Cinemas, cinemas, expensive these days. You used to be able to go, you know, cinemas were quite cheap. Yeah, but, you know, that's yeah. that's probably. I think, I think the idea is, you know, with, with stuff like that, and that you kind of, as you just said, you, you maybe know that it's going to be a good film because you've heard about it. Yeah, you look at IMDb and there's a rating, Rotten Tomatoes, etc. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I think you know what you know what fans are like though. They'll always find something to, to moan about, but. Um, hopefully, one thing that nobody could moan about is the um, Jerry's connection. <laughs> well, everybody can moan about that, especially Jerry. But I'll add, he's, he disappeared off. Everybody, just so you know, he's, he's picture's still there, so he's still with us in, in the picture format. But yeah, he's fortunately having some connection issues, um, so he's, he's not been able to join us tonight. But yeah, I was going to say one thing that 
you know, fans or anybody really couldn't mind about is the new inclusion room down at you know at the John Smith Stadium. So just something that I wanted to give a shout out really to the to the team that's that's put that together down there. It's part of the new um, Terriers together. Um, so I think that they've got running down there. So what they've done is it looks like they've knocked two adjoining uh, hospitality boxes together and created a um, a really nice space there for uh, supporters who have uh, additional or, or any specific needs and. Um, the, the support services down there, uh, Robin and, and Rachel, who kind of front up that that team, have done an absolutely fantastic job um, to get that to get that set up. Um, it has been put together just sort of just reading from the article to to create a safe and controlled environment for people with a right, wide range of different needs to be able to enjoy a match and. Uh, Certainly for some who may not have been able to get down there to experience uh, football in, in other areas of the stadium, uh, I think it's, a, it's an absolutely fantastic thing that, that they've done there. And uh, obviously taking the financial hit of not being able to use those hospitality boxes. Um, but if it gets fans in that may not have been able to come before, um, I, think, I think it's an absolutely brilliant forward-thinking um, idea. Um, there's, there's been some comments on there where, you know, Kids have gone down there who who were you know maybe anxious, suffering from sort of anxiety and, and that sort of thing, and they've sort of started out in the room, and then as the game's gone on, they've, they've grown more and more confident, and eventually made their way out into you know into the stands and stuff like that. So I think that that is one thing that that Huddersfield Town continually do well off the field, the interior, the, you know, the foundation and, and and things like this. It is one of the things that makes me sort of really proud to be to be a town fan, and uh, yeah, just wanted to to give a shout out for. For the people that have put that together, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. anybody listening who may, you know, need that room, then you know, get onto the to the website and all the information on there on, you know, how to how to use it. I think that t- ties in well, doesn't it, with the new Terriers Together Together strategy as well. That they've they've only just really announced that today, so probably not a chance to really sort of digest a lot of that buzz. But you know, just to, one of the statements on there says it's a public declaration of our commitment to maintaining and continuously developing a culture and community that are fully inclusive. Uh, resulting in our staff supporters and other stakeholder groups reflecting and celebrating the diversity of our local communities, which is really cool as well. And uh, at the end, it says, um, you know, there's a thing with Dean Hall which says Huddersfield Town is for everyone, no exceptions. And I think that's really, really good sort of statement as well. So, you know, well done to the club. They get a lot of things right off of the pitch. And that's, you know, when we, uh, I've said this before, but when we interviewed Dean Hoyle, he always said he can't control what goes on on the pitch, but off of the pitch, he can control the variables. And, you know, they do that very well, don't they? So. Uh, well done to uh, everybody at support services. Yeah, brilliant. I think obviously Huddersfield has a very wide range of of people and, and getting as many people down from from different backgrounds and you know everything like that. There's there's often calls and without going off too much on a on a tangent or a bit of a rant here. There's there's so many people that see campaigns such as you know kick it out and football versus homophobia. There's the rainbow laces. There's a new her game two movement and. And people kind of call these things out as if to say, well, you know, we, we don't need this. Um, you know, football is, you know, it's all inclusive. I've never heard X, Y, and Z being shouted at a football match. And if that were the case, these sort of campaigns wouldn't be needed, would they? Um, let's be honest, going to watch football is, is going to watch football, whether whatever sort of sexual orientation you are, creed, colour, religion, it should not matter when you're in that stand. You know, you are a Huddersfield town and, and that is, kind of above everything else or it should be yeah, or even if they're not it, it shouldn't matter yeah. you know what I mean no 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 you're quite right Matt. 
you can't and stuff like that away from either. But you know what I mean? It's like certainly within your own family, you know, you should be together as one and everybody yeah. comes together to, to support Otherfield Town for us. Um, but yeah, hats off massively to the to the club for uh, for putting something like that together. And I think it is something that we can we can all be proud of yeah, and definitely. get behind. One hundred percent. Brilliant. So the final thing um, that I have to discuss, obviously, it looks like we've been on roughly sort of about an hour now. So we'll we'll maybe keep this as quick as as quick as we can. Is that the um, the finance report came out for the 2021, uh, tw- yeah, the 2020 2021 season have been published on on Company's House. So um, Stephen Chicken did a really good article on that uh, on the Examiner. Um, so all my information was just basically pinched from that. So thank you. Stephen for putting that together. It's worth pointing out that it's worth pointing out that Stephen was an accountant before he got the job at the examiner, and you know, so he he does know his stuff when it comes to this. So he's he's very much worth worth reading about, uh, worth reading his stuff on that. Hundred percent. Yeah, he put a link on uh, on his Twitter. Um, so if you don't follow him, just give him a search and, and get him followed, and you, you'll be able to find it through there. Um, so obviously, with accounts, they're all kind of like backdated. So towns are first of July to thirtieth of June every year. Um, Looking at the, the sort of the headline figures, um, the club have, have posted a profit of 2.6 million uh, over the recent financial year, which, due to you know factors that we're, I'm sure we're all aware of, COVID and everything like that, is is, is probably quite incredible. Uh, really, um, it will include a little bit of of the COVID season and stuff like that. So I'd imagine maybe next season's uh, might not look as healthy, but obviously a lot of the revenues sort of fell um, across the board. Of the match day revenue fell. Um, for obvious reasons, TV and league revenues fell um, four million. And obviously, that included parachute payments. Commercial revenues fell. Um, communication revenues actually rose um, from one hundred fifteen thousand up to nearly five hundred thousand. Presumably, I follow uh, passes and, and sales and matches on there. Retail revenues um, dropped from one million to not point six. Lottery revenues fell. Getting revenues fell as well. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of money dropping, but still being able to post a, a profit is is decent um, for the club. Um, I think we've got loans of around about 20, 27 million, uh, which have come down by by twelve point six. Now, a lot of the loans, as I understand it, that are, that are still on the accounts were actually to Dean Hoyle. Now we've obviously had a different ch- a change in circumstances in regards to chairmanship and. and probably doesn't matter as much as what it might have done which uh, and I'm going to throw this out to you guys Matt and Johnny I think puts us in a really good position moving forward now that Hoyle's come back uh, there's a lot to be said about Dean Hoyle about what happened when he was with the club about how the takeover um, happened how it went past that skip past that bit Bill and then back to Dean but I think that's you know that's not going to be discussed in this next sort of five ten minutes but looking forward from this point on pushing all that aside how do you guys see the financial situation at town and, and Hoyle being back in, in the hot seat do you, are you bothered I know some fans don't really care um, about any of this sort of stuff some fans love it some are a bit indifferent either way how, how do you guys sort of look at, at finances and, and how do you think it'll affect us moving forward well, it's last year as well isn't it it's 20 20- it's 2020-21, you know, so it's not this yeah. season. So that's that's interestingly, and and you know, town have turned a 2.6 million profit mainly thanks to the second year of parachute payments, really, isn't it? Uh, and not not actually paying Dean anything back in that year, which which is interesting. 
Um, Dean, remember he um, he postponed, didn't he? The uh, or stretched out the the payment length, and that's going to be interesting to see what he does with that. Now he's back in charge, I presume, and this is just a presumption, nothing based on fact that he will park that maybe whilst he's um, you know whilst he's back doing doing his thing, if you like. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to see, um, you know, how that develops. Uh, Two point six million profit sounds good on paper. Probably doesn't mean an awful lot if you've got you know thirty odd million debt, <laughs> if you like. Um, so you know, and the, these things come out now. I read Kieran Maguire's tweets, and you know, accountants are, are hired to make things look a certain way a lot of the time, aren't they? And and you know, and, and so. I don't really know if you get a, a full true picture sometimes from, you know, the club accounts of how everything is. So, um, but yeah, you know, you can only take a face value pause and, and to be honest, it, it looks quite good, doesn't it? You know, the revenues, the revenue is down by 23%, but that's due to, you know, the reduction in TV money. So, you know, that's as ex- those players are out now as of the summer. So, you know, they, they've been and gone. Uh, so again, I think, led to believe that the wages for this season are around about 12 million or something like that. So, you know, they've done really well to get that down uh, and get down, get town down to a, a decent level operating loss of 5 million. I think that's the, the COVID thing really, isn't it? Player purchases, 2 million uh, sales, 21 million borrowings, 44, uh, which I presume is, is the Hoyle thing again, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. So I think, I think they're quite good actually, you know, in, in compared to what they could have been or the picture, I think everybody remembers Mark Devlin and Phil sort of going on TalkSport and, you know, TV. And I think they were quite unfairly at times um, cast as, you know, sort of Oliver Twist, you know, with the cap out, if you like, you know, please, sir, we skin, we need money, you know, sort of thing. But, uh, you know, Phil sort of said they're doing it for the, you know, the betterment of football across the board. But they didn't really wash, did it, with a lot of town fans. They didn't really buy that. Um, so, um, you know, they were cast, you know, it, it whole... You know, it fed into the whole potless thing, didn't it? That which was going around at the time, which I thought was uh, personally unfair. But you know, so you know, so to come away from that period with a two point six million profit actually looks really good, doesn't it? But but you know, we've not actually paid any debt in that time. So you know, the, there's two ways to look at that. You know, we're probably behind schedule where we thought we would be when we sold the club, or not when we sold the club, but when Dean sold the club to Phil. Um, but you know. There's there's a worldwide pandemic which has come in the middle, isn't there? And you know, and caused uh, caused that to uh, kick up a, a royal fuss. Uh, I'm pleased that Dean Hoyle's back. I'm pleased Dean Hoyle's back. If Dean Hoyle wants to be back, um, he's not really done a lot of um, public facing stuff yet. I think Dean likes to sort of uh, control the scenario, doesn't he? So I think Dean likes it, you know, face to face. You know, he's quite old fashioned, isn't he? He likes he likes the face to face. You know, if you've got something to say, come say it to my face. And I quite like that. I respect that. Um, so, you know, it, it, he's, he's, he's quite, you know, and he's feisty. He'll have it out with you. He's, you know, he's, he's, I love that from, from our chair, you know, from a chairman. It's good. Um, you know, he's not going to take any nonsense and, you know, he's not going to give you any, it's, you know, it's proper Yorkshire chairman, isn't he? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, um, everyone being able to do that again, you know, going back to a, a venue, you know, with, um, you know, sit there and Dean being able to just tell us his plans. Cause I think that's, that's interesting for me is what does Dean Hoyle want to do with a football club? Is he selling it? Is he keeping it? You know, is he bringing an investor on? Is he selling bits of it? You know, is he selling stakes? Um, you know, stakes is in the club, not, you know, what we had for TPOS. But, you know, it's like, you know, so I think there's a lot of questions about what Dean's going to do with the football club. And if Dean is, you know, um, wanting to progress this football club like he, like he has done in the previous 10 years and he wants to move us forward and, you know, 
um, you know, bring people in that to do that, you know, then I'm hundred percent all for it. Yeah. Great. Um, it, you know, so if Dean's having to step in and doesn't really want to be here, um, because, you know, because of the situation with Phil, then that's not ideal, but you know, at least you've got someone here who, you know, he's a Huddersfield town fan cares about the football club and, you know, and we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll, in my opinion, do no harm to it. So, you know, and you know, people like that are quite rare in football. So, you know, it could be, you know, even if he doesn't want to be, it could be a hell of a lot worse. So, you know, I think we're in a pretty good position with Dean Hoyle as chairman of the football club. And if Dean, if Dean wants to be here, you know, I'll always want him to be here. So that's how I feel about it. Yeah, just well, just to come in, just to circle quickly back to the uh, to the accounts. Yeah. First, the first, like, first things first, because like you said, that how accounts are published. By the time we see them, it's effectively pointless anyway. Because if they were that, if there were any major issues with them, the club would be gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact the club is here now means that the accounts obviously weren't that bad. Um, few things for me that stand out. Obviously, yeah, there's a profit there. Um, but that profit was also um, backed up by twenty-one million pounds of player sales. You could argue we've still got twenty million pounds worth of assets because of how they performed this season. But not every year the club will be able to make 20, 21 million pounds in sales. So that's something where, again, is that sustainable year on year? Probably not. The other thing that stood out for me was the cash balance um, went significantly down. I can't. I've not got it written down. But I think it went something around twelve million down to one point something million. So that shows the club's had to use its use its cash reserves to to, to fund itself, which is fine. Um, as long as we've got an owner who can do that once that drips to zero, if it's lost kind of nine ten million pound in a year, it, we can't we can't you can't use cash. That's a minus figure. So I feel more comfort that Dean's obviously in there now than they were filled because obviously we don't know, but someone needs to pull it in. Um, so those two things that do stand out, which which for me would kind of ring alarm bells if we can sustain that year on year. But like I say, the fact that the club still exists, it was alluded to the fact it might not have existed a few weeks ago without Dean stepping in. There's a couple of things there which which show that might have been the case. A few things that are going down, um, which which are a cause for concern. So like I said, because the club still exists today and the counts are, are so historic as the counts are, um, yeah, people can get excited about them, but ultimately how much you believe in them with a pinch of salt, you don't know because accounts can be interpreted and created in different ways by accountants. Ultimately, they're so old that it's 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 next to irrelevant, really. But there are good things. I mean, the fact that the debt is now um, mainly down to the to the owner rather than banks, rather than external external kind of finances, that's a good thing. The fact the wage bill is significantly down, that's a good thing. This year, we know it's down even more. But performances have gone up, so... Ultimately, I think there are a lot of positives there. Um, and on the, the Dean Hoyle case, again, like similar to Matt, do you know what I mean? It, what better owner can you get on paper than a, 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 do you mean a, a rich fan? Because ultimately, he's someone who can back the club financially, but he's got the best interests at heart um, and built it to make a business decision. Everyone's going to like decisions that any owner makes at a football club you probably get more people like um, decisions that a fan makes um, and you ultimately put trust in someone who, who's got the same interests, the same passions at, at heart and we know Dean has um, I know people might necessarily disagree with that, not everyone's going to be happy um, but ultimately it's a safe pair of hands the, the club won't go backwards, I think that's a great point, the club will, I mean, will stay safe, it'll progress um, whether his long term plan is, is to move it on, which is well within his right to do 
to bring somebody in. He obviously wouldn't do that, but whether he might do that, whether he's kind of reinvigorated and wants to kind of go again to the football phrase, we'll see. Um, but we, I do think when the season ends, we will get Dean because one thing he, he does do is he, he, he does talk to fans. He tells how it is um, good and bad. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, like I say, I think hopefully, whether it's via this podcast or um, in a in a cinema, um, we might get we might get something where we, we, we get to understand and ask the questions um, and get the answers, and then we all know where we are. Um, but I think out of what could have happened um, and where the club could have gone and the hands it could have fallen into, um, I think Dean Halls are probably the best hands we could hope for at this particular point in time. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd, I'd agree with those views there, guys. Obviously, with Hoyle being with us, um, sort of through the the, the the Premier League years and, and then obviously going through the, the transfer over to Phil and, and then coming back in. Obviously, he will have such a massive experience of, of dealing with the football club at, at these levels and, you know, these sorts of money. It's, it's interesting, Johnny, that you mentioned the, the £21 million in player sales. I noticed that, that Kieran Maguire did a, a little thread on town and, and for £21 million sales, we actually paid out £71 million for those for those players. So, yeah, as you say, accounts for that particular period look good. But actually, that's a, a minus fifty million in in real terms, isn't it? So, mm. um, yeah, the the Hoyle going through the the things that he went through previously should put us in good stead if if we sort of continue to to move forward with with the club. Um, so yeah, every every you know every wish every success to, to Hoyle. I think Matt is right. Is uh, from what I can gather, he, he is wanting to be at the club. He, he has quote got his mojo back. Um, and I think he, there were there were talks of him doing a, a bit of an open forum Q and A, uh, which will be which will be really interesting. Should that should that go ahead? Um, so it'll be, it will be interesting to see what what comes out of that. So we'll keep everybody posted if we are out when that might be, and uh, maybe try to get ourselves down and get some questions asked. And, uh, I put some I put some stuff out on Twitter as well. Pause before we wrap it up. There's uh, there's quite a few questions that have come through on Twitter. We can maybe rattle through quickly once you've. Uh, you finish that, sorry. I thought you were going to finish it then, so I thought I'd better get that in quickly. No, no, mate. Doggy's looking at me as if to say, why can't I go to bed yet? But uh, yeah, you can, you have whiz through a few, mate. I'll, I'll um, I, well, uh, Dan Stevenato says, I'd like to hear the thoughts of the one person who voted for the one penalty. Can only assume it was a misclick. I think you know, everyone can say that. Um, yeah, Danny Bell says, I presume you're bringing back Whopper of the Week for this week's pod. Um, yeah, if he said he feels a Matt Rant coming on. Did I rant? I think I, I was a bit, I was a bit angrier than I thought I would be actually when Jeremy Simpson's name came up. I thought I'd relaxed a bit since Friday, especially with the four wins we've had with him this year. But um, I don't know. I don't know if you guys can hear this if I press these buttons on the. We've lost to a pub side. We've through. literally lost to a pub side. Absolute danger, this fella. Does that come through at all? Were you guys? Yeah. Does, it, does that come through? Oh, there we go. So yeah, we, we can have Jeremy Simpson's whopper of the week. It's been a while. It doesn't really have the same. Like Neil's delivery was absolutely sublime with it, wasn't it? He had that sort of booming voice, which you know, which made Whopper of the Week really what it was. Um, I don't think my croaky Mrs. Doubtfire's brother voice can really sort of help, can it, at this minute? So um, hopefully that's the last we see of him this season. Thanks for the thanks for the nine points and the cup win, Jez. But you know, you know, hopefully won't see you next season. Um, and then someone's actually said, "Take Jeremy Simpson's wife's names out of your mouth," which uh, which made me laugh. So we've had a uh, <coughs> we've had a couple of tweets um, from uh, a chap, which I think he played centre back with Coventry in the nineteen nineties, Johnny, uh, by the name of uh, Paul Gillespie. I don't know if he's a relation of yours. Um, yes, no, maybe your dad, possibly. 
Possibly. <laughs> um, is is put after the whole match. Let's see, let's see what he says first before. Holmes I... versus Sinani because. Um, I, I'm in a WhatsApp group with Stephen, Chicken and Dave and um, Dwayne Holmes did came up. I, I like Dwayne as a player, as a, as a bloke. I think he's, I think he's good. Um, but I thought he had a poor game against Hull. I just didn't think anything really worked for him. Um, so I, I didn't really think Dwayne had a good game uh, and he was probably rightly to be subbed, but I, I wouldn't hold that against him moving forward. Um, but Stephen and Dave thought he did all right. Um, you know, so everyone's got an opinion, which is fine. Um, but yeah, so Holmes versus Sinani, it's, it's a good question that because Sinani and Holmes are quite similar, aren't they? In that they kind of both evaporate into, they're both really hard working, aren't they? But sort of in attack, they can kind of be, have moments of, I'm trying not to be really mean because they both had really good seasons, but they can be ineffectual at points. Um, and, you know, they're both probably limited in what they do at certain points going forward, but they've both been really great for us this year and really key players. But um, it's a tough one to choose really between Holmes and Sinani. I think Thomas is doing his best work on the right, isn't he? So, which would mean Sinani moves on to the left and he's not really got the pace to go outside. Whereas Holmes kind of folds in, doesn't he, into that sort of half space really well and does a lot of good things from that, that sort of area. Um, Thomas can do that as well. So I, I don't know. I couldn't really split Holmes or Sinani. I don't know what, I don't know. You two, could you, would you pick one or the other? I think they're a bit different. I think they're a bit different. I think it's hard to split. I think um, I think Sinani's more of a ball player. Holmes is just, I mean, he's a hard worker. He's probably a pest. I think I'd rather play against Sinani than Holmes. Um, I don't really answer the question. Um, I think a full firing Holmes is, but I like both. Like I said, I, 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 you almost don't want to be negative because, like, like third in the league, so, aren't we? You can't really start. Good season, so. Yeah, you can't slate with third in the league. You can't start slating people. <laughs> it's just it'd yeah. be ridiculous, really. Pause. Where were you going for? I know you're a big Dwayne Holmes fan. Yeah, <laughs> don't say it too long. Uh, no, I, I, <laughs> I think they're probably both the sort of players that for seventy five minutes would just sort of be passengers, but they play well for twenty five minutes. That they'll they'll do something. So. Is it, you know, town fans have that thing, don't they, where someone's got to be playing well for every single minute of every single game and, and if they're not, then you dump it out of the team and sort of never playing again. And you're never going to get that from someone like Sinani or Holmes, I don't think. They're very, they'll come into games, they'll drift out of games. Um, I prefer Sinani just because I think he's, I think he just gives you that little bit more physicality. I think Holmes sometimes looks a little bit lightweight, you know, obviously with his size and stuff. Um uh, but yeah, you, you kind of you're looking for negatives rather than they're just being blatantly obvious. Like you, you know, like you just say, we're, we're third in league, we've had a great season. Let's not let's not look for things that we don't really need to. This stage, every single player's got a, a part to play, and there's there's a lot of games coming up in short space of time. So, I think whoever you place in on it or Holmes, uh, they they kind of offer you the same sort of thing. So you know, it's kind of whoever whoever's performing best in training, whether it gets a little bit of a run of form. Um, and, you know, that that's up to Carlos to decide. And, you know, that's why he gets paid and that's why he sits in a dugout and not me. <laughs> it's good to have those options, if nothing else, isn't it? Yeah, and one of the options... It's good to have two, do you know I mean? One of the other options your dad's mentioned as well is uh, Josh Caroma. He says, is he trained too hard? And Josh Caroma's a sort of puzzle that nobody can really work out this year. And the only thing I can think of really is, is, is the contract situation maybe playing on his mind a little bit? Cause you know, Paul said, is he trying too hard? And I think there are points where he probably does try a bit too hard. You know, he's, he looks to cut inside and shoot. Cause he was, he was phenomenal at that last year, wasn't he? Let's, let's be honest. 
And, you know, there are a lot of times where he does look to cut inside and, you know, get the shot off. And and he's becoming a bit too predictable. That's the that's really what, what the problem's been with him this year is, is predictability. Um, you know, he works hard and does a lot of good stuff. But, you know, every time he's, he's trying to shift it and shoot. And, you know, we saw against Blackpool when he gets it right, he's absolutely brilliant at it. But, you know, he's got to vary his game a little bit more. And that's why he's probably not played as much as others. And whether that's because he's trying too hard because he's got this contract situation looming over him, I, I don't know. We can only sort of guess, can't we? Um, but, you know, I, I, I'll always have a lot of belief in Josh Karome. You know, I don't think last year was a fluke. I'm, I'm reaching for the conch. You know what I'm doing, don't you? So, you know, I you know I, I think he's a really good player, Josh Karome. I just think, you know, Harry, Harry Toffolo's probably not had quite as good a year as last year. I think he's been good. I think some people have underrated him a lot this year, Harry Toffolo. I think he's been really solid. Um, and I think he's a better left back than he is a wing back. Um, you know, that, that sort of second run he makes as a left back is, is really good. Um, you know, and as a wing back, you're making that first run, aren't you? And you're the first sort of, you know, the first sort of player that the, you know, the opposing fullback or wing back sees. Whereas, you know, as a secondary decoy runner, if you like, you know, he's, he's very good at that. So, uh, you know, now he's back at left back. I think we've seen a better player and a, you know, I don't know if it's the same thing with him. You know, his contract situations, you know, over his head as well. But you know, as we keep saying all the time, that we let's get this signed, Harry, and you know, let's you know, let's get let's keep him here for another three years or so. You know, and we'll all be happy. Um, otherwise, you know, I think he'll sign it. You know. I, I, he's gonna, he's, he's gonna, he knows what he's doing, Matt. Right? He's going to sign it out. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think quite a few of them are waiting to see what division we're in at the end of the year, aren't they? I think that's the thing, isn't it? You know, if if we go up. You know, Harry Toffolo and Josh Karama probably think they'll get more money next year, whereas, you know, or their agents will. Um, whereas, you know, I think I think I think we're just waiting to see how that plays out. But I do think it maybe does play on their mind a little bit. It, you know, it can can maybe have an unsettling effect. But, you know, is Josh Karama trying too hard? I think maybe he is a little bit. And, you know, once you know, once whatever it is is causing that and he relaxes, hopefully we'll see, you know, the Josh Karama we saw last year. Because I think that left wing Areas probably our weakest position, would you say? And you know, Tino was brought in, and Tino's injured on England international duty, isn't he? Um, you know, that's a frustrating one as well, isn't it, with Tino Andrewing? Because we thought he was going to be the the sort of uh, the gloss on it on on the season, didn't we? When he signed in January, we thought you know he would come back by now, and he'd be the one who'd be you know ransacking up his opposing defenses. But he's you know not really had the chance yet. But you know, there's still six games to go, potentially three after that. So you know, hopefully we see. Uh, Tino, um, you know, work his way in, but you know, uh, in in the WhatsApp groups I have with with Dave and Stephen, one of them said, you know, maybe we just do the right thing by Tino this year, get him fit and show how good we are at treating, you know, treating Chelsea loan players, and maybe they'll let us have him next year. So, you know, who knows? So we'll see what happens there. So, um, but I think in terms of uh, things coming through, I think we've covered everything else which has come through. So um, I think that's that's potentially it, Posman. Yeah, certainly not else for me, Johnny. I hope that you've got a burning desire to get off your chest as a field time related. No, related. just like what Matt says, yeah, I think keep, keeping a club like Chelsea happy and doing them a, a favour with no real output in, in Tino only stands as a good stand to get players like him and uh, call with future. So I, I don't see a problem with it if he doesn't play. Unfortunate, but I think a future, future loan easy, it'll only help us. So no problem with that. Definitely, yeah, it's an interesting point. There's no point, you know, us playing him and then him going back injured because, as you say, it could not only Chelsea but other teams look at that and say, well, would, you know, we don't want our player going there because yeah. we're potentially going to ruin him. So, um, 
yeah, maybe one just to put down to uh, a bit of bad luck with, you know, came injured, didn't he? He's been away with England and got injured as well. So, Alter- Alternatively, Buzzer, we're uh, just trying to do everything like um, like uh, 2017, the finals on the 29th. We needed two, low- we needed two Chelsea loanies, one who's yeah. coming back fit. So everything's <laughs> just following perfectly. It's, uh, it's to the script, so <laughs> it might be for that reason. Yeah, if it comes on at Wembley, like midway through the second half, I think it will be. <laughs> then we're definitely getting promoted, are we? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, no, guys, I think, like, as Matt says, that, that's probably everything for tonight. So, thank you to Matt and Johnny for joining me and also Jerry for trying on many, many occasions. You guys offline won't be able to see how hard you are trying to join us, but hopefully we can get Jerry um, some internet shipped over to America and he can, uh, he can make another appearance. Uh, in, in land of the free but not yeah. land of the Wi-Fi I think that's the, the Americans <laughs> <laughs> thank you to Matt and Johnny for joining us and also thank you to Magic Rock for sponsoring us uh, Matt's pointed out that I got the discount code wrong which is probably why like discounts not being applied to any of my orders that I've done it's actually hit AHTCC10 uh, for 10% off when ordering from uh, TTC that's what I said isn't it no he said TCC that <laughs> I'm sacked from any further uh, <laughs> announcements for the uh, sponsorship. But the more we talk about it, the more people will know. That's what I'm, that's what I'm getting. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you very much, guys, and thank you for everybody who's joined us online and uh, probably will be out in the usual places uh, as soon as possible. Thank you. Often you can hear them say, Who can be? Sport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116 123. That's 116123. 
They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 